Hey, what's going on, everybody? Welcome back. This is now season two of the Change What We Normalize podcast. I know it's been a while. Um, I had y'all waiting a little bit, but I'm just glad that y'all stuck around. And this season, I actually have guests with me. So last season, it was just me uh, pumping out these episodes, getting out this content and sharing this value with you. But now I've brought along a bunch of my friends, some incredible, incredible guests that I have lined up for this season and you're not going to want to miss it. So make sure that you subscribe to the podcast. Make sure you subscribe. Make sure you share this with somebody you love. I have a dear friend of mine, a brother. Um, this this gentleman's in my wedding this year. That's how close we are. Um, he's an artist, man, in every sense of the word. I mean, guy writes books, poetry, playwright, dancer, actor, whatever it is, you name it, he's doing it. And he has an incredible, incredible testimony that I want all of you to hear and really gain this value. So this is season two. We turning up. As you can see, we got a little bit better production now. We're going live with the videos. Uh, Last season, we only had the audio, but now you're getting both. I'm stepping up for y'all. I'm stepping up for y'all. So I really need y'all to support this movement. Again, share this with somebody you love, share with your friend, family, coworker, and come get some of this value on the Change What We Normalize podcast. And up next is my brother, my guy, Ty Lewis, on the Change What We Normalize podcast. Hey, what's going on, everybody? Welcome to the Change What We Normalize podcast. I got my brother here, my guy, Ty Lewis. What's going on, bro? What's up? What's up? What's up, bro? Glad to be on. Thanks for having me, bro. Yeah, man. Absolutely. Absolutely. Of course, I had to have you on, man. It's been a long time coming. Um, We've been trying to get you on here for a grip now. Right. right. (laughs) Uh, this This was months ago, I think, when we talked about having you on here. Yeah. Um, but I had to get some things right. And I didn't want to come, you know, I, I didn't want to come in a way where it wasn't correct. Right. Right. Like if I'm going to have somebody of this stature on, I, I got to come correct. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> this stature. So, <laughs> so I'm just excited to have you here. So I had to spend all this money to get Ty on. Y'all I had to get a new laptop. <laughs> this stuff and I got more stuff coming in because he, he just wouldn't do it any other way. <laughs> lies all lies. Okay, man, I'm joking. But um, no, nah, I'm really excited, man, to have you on as a guest mm-hmm. of this podcast and have you as a brother. Um, yeah. Just knowing you for some time, for some years now, and, you know, just our conversations, mm-hmm. you know, hearing your story, um, hearing about the challenges and the triumphs at the same time, and then seeing your progression, being a part of, you know, one of your projects and seeing yeah. how you worked within the details of mm-hmm. teaching me how to act while also, you know, producing and, and and doing all these different things and wearing all these different hats. It's just like, yo, when you see this dude, it's, it's mind blowing. And um, I'm just honored to have you here. Um, so do me a favor. Let's do this. Let's do this. Mm-hmm. I'm going to have you go ahead and just, you know, share a little bit about yourself. I know we talk about that. It's hard to brag on yourself, but right. go ahead right, right, and right. share a little bit about yourself um, for the people who are tuning in who may not know who Ty Lewis, Ty Lewis is. 
Okay, okay. Um, first of all, thanks for that amazing intro, bro. <laughs> I hope I live up to it. Um, listen, um, my name is Ty Lewis, and I am an artist, advocate, and author. Okay, I'm an artist in every sense of the word, like Nate said. <laughs> I'm a published author. I am a painter, a poet, a playwright, um, a director, and I'm also the owner of ArtByTyLewis.com. And, um, you know, where you can find all things culture, all things art, all things vibes, you know what I mean? And so that's who I am in a nutshell. Um, and look, I'm just here to reflect the times in which we live. Shouts out to the great late Nina Simone. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And we're going to dive a little deeper into that quote um, towards the end of the show. But what I want to start with is this, right? I want to start with, so the, the theme of this podcast really is to share, you know, powerful stories and powerful insight about resilience, really breaking down disempowering stigmas um, and things that we've lived up to as a culture that hasn't mm-hmm. actually served us, right? Right. So for me, my challenges with mental health stemmed from my childhood, but I also mm-hmm. grew up as a child who didn't feel comfortable expressing these feelings and these emotions yeah so i literally had to break that stigma as a grown man to really gain my healing and be able to go back into my community to help others do the same so i want you to share a little bit about your story man i want you to kind of go take us back a little bit take us back to young ty and kind of share a little bit about your journey yeah absolutely bro um young ty was very lost i had a lot of trauma and um just a lot of difficult experiences that kind of shaped the young man, the, the man that I am now. But being younger and going through those things, I really didn't understand what was going on around me. Also being an artistic, artistic mm-hmm. um, young man, it was really difficult to, um, to be understood without all of the trauma beyond that. Like, you know what I mean? Just that alone was difficult being someone who was creative and, in an environment in a community where that really didn't celebrate that there was really no outlet, no resources for the particular gifts that I had. So that left me feeling a little isolated, you know, that, um, that, that is where, you know, you know, some of the depression and anxiety began before I even knew what those words meant. And, um, so it was just like an internal suffering that was going on from a really early age, again, because of the, some of the life experience that I had at such a younger age, um, due to different experiences that I had with, you know, um, a parent being, uh, dealing with addiction, you know, um, being, you know, exposed to some things that I shouldn't have been exposed to, um, and really shaped literally what my destiny has become and what it's continued, what it's going to be, you know what I mean? So that, that's, that's some things that I, 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 dealt with growing up, you know what I mean? Just addiction, depression, um, or, or not myself being addicted, but like having a parent that was addicted. And, um, Mm -hmm. that is some, that's a struggle in itself for all the youth who've experienced that and trying to, um, love someone who is sick and not knowing and them not loving you correctly. And then you trying to navigate through that world of why aren't you loving me back? That in itself is a whole nother discussion right, right. of itself. But so for me, especially me, cause I was a very sensitive kid. I was very um, curious. I was very um, loving and I just wanted the love back. 
So when I didn't get the love back, it just added to me feeling rejected. You know, that's a, a lot of rejection is what I felt growing up as well. And so, you know, my journey as an artist came from that suffering. I wanted to kind of ex experience other people and who've gone through what I've gone through. And I also wanted to be a voice for those who um, had experienced what I experienced and just didn't know how to um, vocalize it. And I know I've been given some gifts to where as, you know, as an actor, I can be become those people who've suffered like me. Um, as a writer, I could write their stories um, with light in it, with love in it, with acceptance in it, with understanding in it. And though that's a gift that I couldn't leave dormant. So um, what helped me also to navigate out of that kind of the depression and the traumas that I've had experienced was allowing myself to be a part of my community. You know, I, you know, at a young age, right out of high school, um, I was given the opportunity to volunteer um, at the uh, police athletic league in Atlantic City. Um, there was a drama club ran by Arnell Lyles and Michael Bailey uh, called Paul Prince. And they allowed me to come and utilize my gifts and share my gifts at one of their uh, shows, one of their uh, showcases. And once I did that, I was invited to come be like an assistant director, drama director and things like that. So I began to write for them. I began to choreograph for them. I began to express what I had been going through in these creative um, avenues for these youth to perform. And it get, and it healed me, you know. Mm. And so through that, um, doing that for some years, I was then able to um, work at the Pleasantville Recreation Center as the drama, uh, the drama director there for the summer camp program for many years, at least five or six years. And me being exposed to these youth being exposed to the art through me, um, healing through me, discovering mm -hmm. who they were through the art, through me, like, you know what I mean? It gave me a reason to keep going. It gave me, it made me feel like I mattered. It was a place where I wasn't rejected. It was a place where I was understood and accepted. Mm -hmm. It was a place where I didn't need approval anymore. It was a, a place where I was affirmed and it came via people like Miss um, uh, Deborah Washington, you know, who is retired now, but she, um, you know, the uh, supervisor of um, the um, the rec center for Pleasantville. And so she saw mm -hmm. what was in me and she gave me that opportunity. She said, just go, go forth or whatever. I see your gifts. I see what you can do. And she literally allowed me to work with 150 youth every summer um, and express different things and help them to become um, who they went on to become. And, you know, I've had students who have, who have auditioned for different colleges and the arts programs, who have graduated um, and dance programs, who've called me and said, can you help me with this audition for different roles that I'm going after? I see some of my youth and some of the young people who assisted me are now auditioning for Broadway, auditioning wow. for different movies, auditioning for commercials. And it's because of the spark they felt and they, they got, um, um, via the groups that I started in uh, the recreation center and, and, and police athletically, you know, and um, even started my own performing arts program, you know, <laughs> wow. at the recreation center at a young age. So even though my community didn't have at the time when I was young and be in my formative years, they didn't have those outlets that I was looking for that I needed because I felt like I was all in this world by myself of having an over imaginative mind. Um, 
actually dreaming that I could be somebody, that was not the norm from where we come from, Nate. And you know what, yeah, it, what I mean exactly. by that. You know what I mean? Dreaming beyond our borders of Pleasantville, New Jersey, that was just not the norm. It was like, you're just gonna be here. And so I always believed beyond that. And it just seemed like my imagination was always crushed. And mm. so thank God that um, he instilled in me these gifts that I just fought for. When I couldn't fight for me, I fought for my gifts. Mm, that's a word. You know, when I couldn't fight for me, I fought for my gifts because when Tyrell wanted to give up, my gifts was like, but they need us. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Like, the youth need you. They need you to go and expose them to culture, take them to shows, take them to the mural arts project um, tour in uh, Philadelphia, take them to their first Broadway show. You know what I mean? Take them to their first theater show and see Beauty and the Beast. You know, take a bunch of kids from Pleasantville and have them see a Broadway quality show. Write a skit about the violence going on when Trayvon Martin was killed. And I did a, 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 a skit that I wrote um, mm. and, and the kids, you know, spoke that out to an audience filled room, you know what I mean? Expressing how they felt about, you know, black men being shot. And it was like, if I gave up, those opportunities would not have happened for these young people. You know, the community would not have heard how hurt they were about what was going on. So if I gave up, not only would my gifts have been dormant, but the destinies, the trajectory of the, the youth that I've impacted would have been totally different. I'm just so you know bold enough to believe that I was that special in God's eyes that he ordained me to have these gifts to impact their lives. So yes, I feel like if I was not, didn't give my gifts a yes, like they needed, then mm -hmm. it would have impacted those youth in their lives and their destiny because I said no when I could have fought for my yes. You know what mm. I mean? So here I am now with all of the experiences that I've learned, all of the light, uh, all of the trauma that I've experienced, all of the achievements, all of the failures, all of that wisdom now. And I'm able to channel that into art by Ty Lewis, you know what I mean, as a painter and paint reality, our reality on the canvas as a, as a playwright, uh, write that, that script that reflects our stories, be the voice for the voiceless. I'm able to do that now in a, in a, in a place of confidence that I would not have had, had not God showed me the value of my story through the youth that I've impacted. Mm, that's powerful, bro. That's extremely powerful. And as I'm thinking about it, I'm thinking about because, you know, we're from the same area. So being in Pleasantville and at that time I was deep into sports and different things like that. But you're on the other side into the arts. Yeah. And for me, I used basketball as an outlet. Mm -hmm. It was my outlet for what I was going through. It was the gift at yeah. the time that allowed me to travel, you know, see the country and things like that. But your gift, it allowed you to impact future generations mm -hmm. while you were still young. Right. Like you were able to culminate a group of, of young kids and really teach them the art to teach them how to express themselves. Mm -hmm. And I think that's extremely powerful because I didn't necessarily even have that mindset to do that at that time. Mm -hmm. I was kind of like, this is my outlet. This is my safe space. But you took it upon yourself to be courageous enough, to be bold enough to like, look, I want to expose y'all all to this as well. Mm -hmm. um, where did that where did that like that courage like did you see that around you like where did that mm -hmm. courage come from to really express yourself through your art 
but bring mm-hmm. other people along within that process. And like, look, I want to show you all this as well, because like you said, it wasn't necessarily, um, I guess, the norm mm-hmm. during that time. So you really stood out. Right. Right. I believe it really came from and this is because this is before I really got into a good relationship with Jesus Christ. Right. This is when <laughs> when I was struggling, when I was still doing my thing, when um, I was going back and forth from loving God to ignoring God to, you know, being in his presence, to leaving his presence. Like I, this is those days, you know, so I can't even say that, you know, it was the unction of the Holy Spirit. Like, you know I mean? <laughs> <laughs> like, like people will want to say I All right. To really give my my father some credit um, here because he instilled in my brother and I um, to do something. Mm-hmm. You know, there there was no option to do nothing. And I know. So along with that lesson that you, you can't just sit, do something with that lesson. I also there was a determination in me. I had I had a very clear picture of who I wanted to be from the time I was young and could even imagine to still today. Like I have a clear picture of what I wanted to be. So with that lesson from my father of do something and that picture that I had on those days where I felt less than because I might've not been in college when everybody else was, when I felt like my gifts didn't matter, when I kept going out for auditions and wasn't getting anything, what kept me going was that picture that I had of myself in my mind and the Mm -hmm. fact that I had to do something. So, um, for me, working with the youth was me doing something. Yeah, I may not be on Broadway. Yeah, I may not have scored the big film uh, role that I wanted. I may not have wrote my first script or published any books at this point. But what I can do is utilize my gift and, and hone my craft through these youth. So as much as I feel like I helped them, they helped me. They helped yeah. me. Sh- they helped mold me as a writer and as an artist. You know what I mean? So that's what kind of motivated me. My dad used to say all the time, it would be a Saturday. And I tell him this now and he cracks up, but it's the truth. Like we we couldn't sit in on a Saturday. It was like, it's a Saturday, chores is done. You know, there's nothing to do. You could, you know, you're just sitting there watching cartoons, probably playing a game or whatever the case may be. And my dad would come in the room and be like, don't you have some friends? <laughs> Once you have some friends, ain't it a book you can go read? This is back when the library was a thing before the internet was something. You know what I mean? Oh, and people were like, can't you go to the library and pick up a book? I promise you, Nate. You know my father. You're gonna ask him. You're gonna ask right. him. Yeah. You would like. You would be like, don't you have something to do? Like in other words, now being the age that I am now, I can un- understand that. Like when you've worked a full week and then your kids, you want some time to yourself. You don't have to worry about them being in your face. So yes, do you have something? to do, you know? And so if we didn't, he would find something for us to do. And so Mm. I actually put this in one of my scripts that I wrote um, uh, for um, Jazz from the Terrors, the plays that we both were in, Mm. where he um, told us to, like, he was clear, he cleared out a like half acre of of, of land and he told us, uh, and we fenced it in. And so when he cleared out all the trees and things like that, he would have me and my brother literally pick up the stones in the yard mm-hmm. and throw them over the fence because he wanted to go grow grass. And I'm just thinking like this field has never not been a field full of trees. So dad, we're going to find nothing but big stones. And <laughs> so this is going to be like an everyday, all day project. Right. And I really believe it was just like, do something, keep, keep mm-hmm. working, keep, um, have some time with you and your brother out there, like do something. And so I, there's this thing in me that just can't, 
be still. And sometimes that's to my detriment and aided in my anxiety a lot. So, you know, the good in that was that like it it didn't allow me to just be um, content um, in what I was doing. The, The bad in that is that sometimes I have to force myself to um, prioritize self-care. You know what I mean? Yeah. And um, that's the, the the balance is what I'm trying to learn now. But that's definitely where the motivation came to 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 um, keep going and, and be impactful to the youth. Yeah. Um, I have so many different questions I want to ask. I'm trying <laughs> to figure out which order, because you said so much. And I remember being a part of that play, Jasmine and Terrace. And as you're telling the real story, it's just like, man, that's powerful that you were able to bring that back to memory and put it in a very artistic way for it to be entertaining and a lesson for the audience through Mm -hmm. this story. Like that's a real gift right there. Yeah. Because I know I write a lot. So for you to be able to take that and formulate it in a way where it's like, I can share this story now, but it's it's Mm -hmm. like, it's from a true place, but it's not really about my dad, but it's from a true place, but I'm able to put it in a way where it's like, Oh, the audience is getting this amazing story. That's incredible to me because that's how the entire play was. You were pulling from, different mm. time periods in your life and making yeah. this this whole production yeah that had this whole story and this whole ministry behind it which we're going to dive into a little bit more mm. but something you shared about um just being an artist it's like where did that spark come from because so i never asked you this i never asked like did your dad do art or you, mm. you know your mom or your brothers mm. or anybody around you i never actually asked that to see like where that inspiration come from come from so i know for me playing basketball, my parents had got me a Fisher-Price basketball court. That's definitely mm-hmm. uh, telling my age right there. Yeah. But a, a Fisher-Price basketball court mm-hmm. with the breakaway rim, but they got me that that at two years old. Like, I have a picture yeah. of dunking that court at two years old, but then they also would watch Chicago Bulls games. Mm-hmm. You know, so I seen these things as a very young kid, and it was like, oh, I want to do this. Mm-hmm. I want to yeah. see, I want to do what Michael Jordan's doing. So I always wanted to go to North Carolina. I want I wanted to go to North Carolina for college. I wanted to go to UNC I used to be in the driveway with the Fisher Price court, tongue yeah, out, doing all this yeah. stuff. And that's where it kind of was like, I want to do that. Right. Right. So for you, um, I feel like you've always been an artist since you like yeah. was born. But it's like, was there something that sparked that, or was that just always in you where it was just like, man, I just want to do this? You know what I realized is that it's just always been in me. There was no mm-hmm. my, my my mother is not an artist, my father is not an artist. But um, I believe the spirit of creativity and art came through the ancestors. Like, you know what I mean? My grandfather on my father's side was a musician um, Mm. and toured and and went all over, you know, New York, Philly, different places and um, played in a band and things like that. I come from... um, a musical family who, you know, are singers and things like that. Um, My mother, however, she is, you know, she played the flute, she played the flute and she wrote. So, and you know, I mean, in different aspects, I pick up from both sides of my family Um, of the business aspect of who I am. uh, My mother's father was his own multiple businesses. So I think I, from the older generations and the ancestors, I've just been, you know, I inherited that spirit and that those giftings. And um, for as early as I can remember, I've been creative. Even um, another fun fact is that like when I was in Head Start and I didn't learn this until I was in eighth grade uh, for my eighth grade graduation, one of my close friends um, who was in my Head Start class when we were like four or whatever or five, she um, 
she brought in the yearbook from our Head Start, Head Start uh, class, and we both were selected as most creative. And this is wow. what I'm for. <laughs> you wow. know what I mean? And um, it let my written. brother tell it. Yeah, let my brother tell it. Like, I have just been always uh, been creative. I remember doing major projects. My teacher would be like, just create um, a skit, and, and it would have to be like all of one page. So, I remember in, in sixth grade, I think I created a script that was like 10 pages long. I held auditions. <laughs> audition. um, I created props. I created an entire car out of car box. <laughs> oh, you was going there for real. Like. Right. Out of a cardboard box for, for bu- class. No, and for my real. dad, right, literally had to figure out how to fit it in the car so we can take it to school. And so it's just been <laughs> when that's what would get me. I remember being a kid that was really, really um, troubled. And this is good for the parents to um, understand as well. I was um, because of the things I experienced, I started to become a quiet kid at home. But when I was at mm-hmm. school and I could be around my friends, I would be social butterfly or whatever. And then but when it sometimes I would breeze through my work and have nothing to do. And then I would just cause havoc in the class, you know, talking to the other youth, getting on my mm-hmm. teacher's nerves until my teacher, um, I had two teachers and one third grade teacher at the Pleasant, Pleasantville, Washington Avenue, Miss Grenice. She saw that I was creative and she, instead of like, you know, making me, you know, do things like detention or things like that. She saw that I was creative and she let me create an entire mural on the, back of the room we had two boards in the front and the back and she let me create a whole aquarium with different colored chalk this is back when we had blackboards and it stayed up for like four or five months and she went that's a dope teacher right there right that's because she saw something in me and then that that engagement with uh she and i allowed me to see her in a different light and so that helped and then miss seymour um, from Pleasantville Middle School, she uh, would let me every every holiday in the hallway. She would take me to the teacher's room and let me get whatever paper. And you know they had the good paper in the teacher room. You know what good I mean. Paper. And so <laughs> I was able to create different, um, you know, decorations and different things for the holidays, and that that affirmed me. Those little mm. small gestures made me feel like what my gifts were mattered. You know, a lot of my and this shouts out to all the teachers right there. You know what I mean? Because because the the teachers were a lot of the reason why I said, yo, I can do this. I can be an artist. My seventh grade teacher, Mrs. Adams, um, we had to write a story based off a picture, just one picture she showed. And she said, write, um, write, you know, just write a story that you feel this picture came from. And so everyone in class wrote wrote and then she chose whoever to get up and read their story or ask mm-hmm. people to volunteer and so that was probably the first time i read something aloud that i wrote and i felt everyone's eyeballs on me just glued mm. on me and i was like i think they like this so i got to the end and my teacher it was she said everything was amazing ty and the one thing that she said to me um she said ty the last line is probably the only thing that doesn't connect she said go beyond the words Literally, that's what she said. And that was a life uh, lesson. Like, don't stay on the surface. Go beyond. Find the root. Find the meaning. You know what I mean? Don't just be OK with being up here. Your whole your whole piece was beyond the words. It was it was creative. Mm-hmm. It was taken to someplace. And that last piece didn't fit. So make sure it all fits and fits and go beyond the words. And I um shouted her out in my first book, my first anthology that came out, Miss Adams, because I am a writer today, 
because she told me to for, because of that that piece of information and how she just loved how I wrote and affirmed me. Mm-hmm. So teachers were a big reason through all of that stuff that I told you earlier, through all of those, that anxiety, that trauma, that trying to figure out who I was creatively in school. It was teachers who affirmed me as an artist. That's important, man. And that, that affirmation is huge because yeah. teachers are with the kids more than the parents. Mm-hmm. If we mm-hmm. keep it at a hundred, like you really with the, like you're raising the kids. Like y'all, this is a partnership yeah. now. For sure. This is For a sure. partnership. And I think that that's super important that, that they're being affirmed at home, but they're also mm-hmm. being affirmed at school. And what happens too often, unfortunately, is that we get a lot of teachers that are there for the for the check, um, which is kind of crazy. Yeah. You know, and they just dip out. Yes. But it's like you need to be there for the person, for the student. Yeah. Like you play a huge role in shaping how they see themselves. Absolutely. So when I go into places and, you know, it's the summertime and I won't name the school that I went into, but when you go into this place and you, you're checking out the place. I'm talking to them. I'm setting up some stuff for a speaking engagement. Mm-hmm. And they're like, oh, these bad kids is about to come back. Yeah. What? Like, first of all, it's the summer. Right. It's, it's first of all, it's right. August. Right, right. What right. do you mean these bad kids? Like, you're already right. prejudging them and they haven't walked right. through the door. Right. So for those teachers out there, those educators out there that are affirming your students, um, I definitely want to give you your flowers and, and tell you to continue to be an example. Because you are shaping and molding the lives of so many young individuals. Absolutely. And that's going to change the world at some point, right? I know I had teachers in my life who really poured into me. Yeah. Um, Miss Manley, Miss Murphy, that just seen something in me and affirmed me. Mr. Washington, these people seen something, Mr. Townsend. And you see people seen something in me and they will pour into it. And they they would um, encourage me to utilize my gifts. Yeah. In the right ways. Which mm-hmm. is powerful. So I want to transition a little bit and talk about gifts mm-hmm. um, because you've utilized your gifts, you know, within the Powell Center, within the community, but also within the realm of the church. Yeah. And yeah. a lot of times, <laughs> unfortunately, mm-hmm. especially in the black church, a lot of times. Yeah. A lot of people's gifts are exposed and, and utilized in a way that doesn't serve them they're almost being and this is gonna sound crazy um almost like pimped out in a way Mm. where it's like here's your (laughs) gifts and uh we need your gifts right right we need your gifts and what you can do it's about what we can take from you not what we can pour into you right Um, and i know you've had your experiences with that absolutely for for quite some time do you do you care to share a little bit you know Yes. yes and i think this is here's the thing um the church Specifically, obviously, the black church, like, you know, God gives everyone different, everyone different gifts. You know what I mean? No one owns that person's gifts, but God, Mm. you know what I mean? And I think um, that the church uh, gets used to utilizing those gifts. You know what I mean? Um, Unto the glory of God. It starts off that way. Like, you know what I mean? I believe it's a genuine, like, listen, you have a gift. I believe God wants you to use it. And yes, he does. You know what I mean? And um, in the beginning, it seems like, yes, I'm doing this unto the Lord and things like that. Um, and let's identify this as well. There are some people who are whose gifts are literally for the church only. You know what I mean? Mm. People are called to the church. That's what your gift is for. God bless them. 
That's what that's what God called you to do. Amen. But then <laughs> there is don't get me preaching, bro. Right, right. He's about to go in. <laughs> but then there are people you so because when I do this, this means I'm that's about not to, personal. I'm that's not personal. Like, like you had smile in your mind when yes. you said that. <laughs> About to go into my preaching, you know what I mean. But then there are people who are called beyond the walls of the church that have mm. gifts that are artistic, like being a dancer, like a singer, like a musician, different things of that nature. And for some reason, in the black church, it has been my experience that it's hard for church folk to accept that that mm. everyone is not called just to the four walls of the church, you know? And what I found it to be was very limiting because I knew God had called me beyond, but I felt stuck. I felt like I was only going to be celebrated within the church. I felt like I was a sinner if I left, if I did anything outside of the church, you know what I mean? And that came via people in the dance ministries, via people uh, on the worship team, via it's just like you have to pastors, you know, deacons. It was like, OK, yeah. So, you know, we'll see you on Sunday and Sunday only and Sunday again and Sunday one more time. And that's it. But as soon as you're like, oh, but I'm going to perform here, there or whatever. Mm, you get the looks, you get the, mm, get the crown. Do what? Mm. Mm, you know what I mean? Or because I was an actual artist, you know what I mean? You get comments and different things. Um, I remember one time um, because I, I I was growing in God and I and I'm a very expressive person. You know, what I mean, very mm-hmm. dramatic. I talk with my hands, as you can see. And um, so I'm singing one time and I'm like leaping for joy and things like that. And I had someone say to me or whatever. Um, yeah, you kept jumping around like you could uh, if you you know, you probably could have got that song out if you wasn't jumping around. But I was expressing Worshiping how I worship and leading how I lead, you know what I mean? How God called me to lead, but it wasn't within the comfort, comfortability, comfortability. Is that a word? Comfort- <laughs> yeah, I'm making up words. I'm it works. Up. It works, brother. It wasn't in. <laughs> it wasn't in the. Um, it, it it wasn't comfortable for him. You know what I mean? Mm. The way I express myself. Yeah. And it was really an expectation for me to then go back into what he could accept. And then I knew something was wrong with that because who I was called to be was freer when I was just that. You know what I mean? I felt more free when I was who I was called to be. So it's just different things that was said, different things that was expressed, things that was obviously unacceptable in the black church that um, really hurt me. But at the same time, and I always say this when I talk about this topic, there was also pastors who affirmed me. And I think that's what blessed me. The fact that those spiritual leaders that God called to my life, saw the gifts on my life and said, listen, I remember my, um, um, my spiritual father, who's still my, one of my spiritual fathers today, Pastor Kevin Ragland. He said, Ty, if you are called, if you are supposed to be on Broadway, go be on Broadway. If you're supposed to be an actor, go be an actor. Like, it's okay. Like you're, I love that you're in the church. I love that you're dancing and things like that, but there's something in you. And that's how you know when somebody's really called to your life, when they can see what's in you and they've actually invested in you enough. They've engaged with you enough to say, listen, I see you beyond these four walls. When that happened for me, that blessed my entire life because I no longer, I was freed from other people's opinions. When the mm. father of my life said, go forth. And I believe if anything, I would love to see it happen for the black church and just, you know, the body of Christ 
um, as a whole is for them to love like Christ loves more. Yeah. And what Christ, the way Christ loves is he 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 accounts for the totality of someone's life experiences before he judges. Mm. I like that. You understand what I'm saying? Like yeah, he yeah, yeah. it's from the perspective of but not what's wrong with this kid. He's just going all over the place. He he dancing here, singing here, doing all that or whatever. That can't be God's will. That can't be what God called him to do. It's just so not what we used to. It's not traditional. Mm. It's, you know, all that yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah. Before we think like that, let's think what happened to him. What happened to him? What um, what um, what's the reason why he's got to express himself in so many different ways and things like that? Okay, let me have a conversation. Let me engage. Let me see his perspective. Let me see what he's going through. Let me see where I can insert the word of God. Let me see where I can encourage him. Let me see where I can place correction with love. Let me see where I can do all these things to impact his life in such a way that he is no longer moving um from the spirit of rejection or moving from the spirit of pride or moving from a spirit of rebellion, but he's moving with the Holy spirit because he, because, because God has, I've allowed God to expose me to who he really is before I judge. And now that I see who Ty really is, I can give him what God has given me to give him in love. And he will receive that and move forward with that. You know, so we, we've got to, we've got to start loving more and um, letting God be God. And um, and making sure that before we come with correction, before we come with, um, you know, a, a rebuke or, you know, or any of that, we need to first seek God mm-hmm. and make sure that we're supposed to put our mouths on someone. Right. Right. And then if we are, I'm right. pretty sure the Holy Spirit would tell you to do it in love, tell you to do it from a place of understanding and all you're getting, get an understanding. And some right. people just don't get an understanding and they start talking and that's when they mess up. And that's yeah. when something runs from the church. Luckily, I was already planted in 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 and God was already planted in my heart. So when I got those words that was discouraging, I was over I was unmovable in who I was as a Christian. And so therefore, um, you know, when those naysayers were coming around, you know, it didn't cause me to leave God. It caused me, it caused me to move out of the building. Mm. And a lot of times people think moving out the building is leaving God, which is crazy because mm-hmm. God ain't the building. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And just listening to that, man, um, it makes me think two things. Uh, one is I wonder if individuals, I- I'll say in your case, were envious. Mm-hmm. And that's why they try to keep a cap on because they seen you branching out into fl- mm-hmm. and flourishing in everything that God's called you to be. Right. <laughs> what Was there this sense of like, Man, I I, I want to do what he's doing, or I want to be able to express myself in that way, but I don't feel comfortable in doing so. And then there's this other aspect of you need to have a relationship with me to be able to really say anything. Okay. Of that, like <laughs> of that stature, to be able to you like judge right. like, like there's there's a realm around this. Like, first, I don't even know you, not mm-hmm. on that level, to where you can try to limit me. Right. I, I think we have to be careful with that. Right. And I forget what I was just uh, either. I think I was watching something where they were like, you cannot you can only correct somebody when, when you're in the, the right within the right proximity of that yeah. person. Yeah. You cannot just come out your face because you are in whatever position and you feel like you have the right 
to do so. Mm. You know what I mean? You have to know someone. You because you can go ahead and start correcting all willy nilly or however you feel because you are in whatever position and you feel like I got I got a word from the Lord or I got the scripture to lay on you whatever. You can say whatever you would like because we have a free will. But will that person receive it? Yeah, people be That's using that too. People be right. using huh? like, oh, I just got a word. Right, right, right. I got right, a right. word, so I got to share this. Like, no, yeah. no, 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 no. Right. And on. I was very sure. I was very clear that I'm. I only receive um, from individuals who I know. Um, one I trust. One who know me and want the best for me. And one I I I agree with who they are and God. My spirit agrees. And all of that stuff is accounted um, accounted for before I receive what someone has to say to me. You know what I mean? So if someone just comes to me and says whatever because they got a word or they want to, <laughs> um, you know, feel boastful and puffed up because they're in whatever position or whatever, I let them speak. But then if my spirit um, disagrees, we just go. We we don't take it in. We don't let it sink. We don't let it sit. We just move forward um, without that word <laughs> because you. Right. I have a sincere relationship with the Holy Spirit. And plus, anybody's word that it could ever give is only going to confirm what the Holy Spirit had already told you. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So if someone's giving you information, you know what I mean, or trying to give you this word or whatever, you're not going to receive it if it's not something that you're in your prayer time, God hasn't already uh, uh, spoke to you. You know exactly. what I mean? Exactly. So I don't know. And I think all of this just stems back to you. We have to know how to love one another. Facts. If I, I love you, I can I can say things in correction. I can give you um, constructive criticism. You know what I mean? I could tell you that I didn't agree with that. And I think this would be better for you. I can do all of that if I sincerely love you and I approach with love. God won yeah. me over with love. So I expect anybody he sends to do the same thing. Mm, that's a mic drop. So we're going we're gonna to see you next time. Let me stop. Let me stop. But no, no, no. You're right, bro, because. Mm-hmm. Love is simple, but it's not easy. Mm-hmm. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. It's simple. It's very simplistic. Right. But it's not easy to do. No. And me as a believer, I'm like, look, I need God to be able to love, especially right. on a lot of y'all out here. So it's like, yeah. it's one of those things where I don't, I don't think people are willing to do the work and do the self-inventory um, yeah. of, of what they're trying to express and their, their motives behind it. Yeah. Um, I think that's super important. But um, as we shift gears again, this transition from you, you know, leaving that specific building into mm-hmm. kind of like, all right, I need to find, you know, another church home. I need to figure things out. I'm still doing my art. I'm still learning about myself. A lot mm-hmm. of different things happen throughout that time. Yeah. And then we bring up the conversation of mental health. Mm-hmm. And you've spoken before how you've battled with certain things, how you may yeah. still be going through some things. And um you know, how your art is an expression of just all of this, yeah. of the culmination of your life. So I want to talk about you, Ty Lewis, as the artist, right? Mm-hmm. And, and mental health as an artist. Mm-hmm. Like, what does that look like? What does that mean to you as an artist? Um, that is that is something like, as you know, bro, because we talk all the time about this, like um, that is something within the last few years that I've really even acknowledged uh, my struggle mm. with mental health and things of that nature, um, because I believe I was, a, you know, because I was someone who was looking for affirmation, looking for love, looking for acceptance and things like that. I started to build this outward um, version of myself um, via the approval of others. 
Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And I started, okay, well, if I do this in church, they'll like me. If I use my gift and dance, yeah. they'll accept me. If I sing on the worship team, they'll see that I have talent. You know what I mean? And someone will tell me you're great or you're not, but at least I'll know. You know, so there was part of me who did these things, of course, out of obedience to God. But um, if I'm honest, it was also because I wanted to be accepted, you know. And so once you base when you base your. Your walk in Christ on others approval, you're bound to get hurt. You know what I mean? You're bound when you base who you are. In general, who, who you know, your personality, your characteristics, your when you base who you are on other people's opinions and whether they accept you or not, you're bound to get hurt. And so um, because I didn't handle I didn't look for those things in God first. I was hurt. You know what I mean? And it aided into the act because I was I was drained. I was doing so much for everybody else because I had so many gifts. It was just like, okay, if I do this over here, I'll get approval from them. If I do this, I'll get approval. If I do that, I get approval. If I'm over here at this church, I'll get approval. If I'm performing over here, I'll get approval. And then what happens is people start not accepting it, who you are and not, you know, affirming anymore. And now, or people are using you and draining you. You know what I mean? They don't yeah, they, boy. They drain every gift you have because they're just like, oh, he's looking. You know? They benefit off of my trauma. They benefit off. Wow. Of, wow. Right. They benefit off of, you know, my life experiences that told me that I was less than. So soon as someone tells me, hey, here's another opportunity for you, I jump on it. Here's another opportunity. I jump on. People start realizing he's got a whole bunch of gifts. He's very talented. Hmm. That'll make me look real good. Let me sign him up real quick. That'll help my brand. That'll help what I'm trying to push. Use Utilizing this young man who obviously, you know what I mean, likes attention. So let me go ahead and sign him up again. And then the hurt person who I was signed myself right up, walked right up to the front line. Yes, I'll be there. Yes, I'll show up. And all the while that I'm showing up for them, I'm never showing up to God for myself. I'm showing up to people expecting them to affirm me. And what that ha- what happens is, is I start getting drained. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Now I'm drained. Now I feel like my gift is getting stale. There's no more anointing in it. I'm just doing it. So then I become more depressed. I feel like it's just, I get in a rut of this That's is just cycle. what you do. It's a cycle. You know what I mean? I get in the depression. I'm back at the altar. I get I have full of anxiety. I go back to the altar. I keep doing these um, performances, keep trying to show up, keep trying to be a yes man to everybody, keep trying to be yeah. you know Johnny on the spot for everybody. And there's a vicious cycle of just depression and anxiety and the things like that. And then I realize, you know, I have to change I have to posture my heart back to God. I have to posture my why back to God. I have Mm -hmm. to posture, give all my cares and concerns to God. And once I did that and stopped saying, okay, I no longer want everybody else's approval because sometimes people's approval is attached to stress, your stress. People's approval is based on how much you're willing to work without getting anything. You know I mean? mm, yeah, yeah. No, you so they're like, they're like, yeah, you great up until you ask me for twenty five dollars for what you're doing. You're great. <laughs> <laughs> you're right, great right. Until you tell me no, you're great 
up until, you know what I mean, you have no time for me because you start valuing yourself. I'll keep telling you great until, as long as you keep thinking, not knowing your worth. Mm. I'll keep telling you you're great as long as you keep devaluing yourself and it benefits me. So wow. that's that. Whew. Right. So I, I had to change that. I start realizing that like I was just pimping myself out. You know what I mean? And people were used to that. God opened my eyes to like, look what you were doing. I didn't call you to do seven things at once. I didn't tell you to go do this event and go uh, dance here or be a part of that. Where is your no? Let your yes be yes and your no be no is what my word is. So I don't know why you keep doing it. You're stressed again. You're depressed again. You're filled with anxiety because you keep saying yes to things I did not call you to, to people who I did not send for you. Mm. And so I once I realized that it was now like, okay, God, here's all the things I've been through, all the rejection. All of the uh, trauma. Here's the thing. God already knows what you've been through. He already knows. He just wants you to speak it to him Mm -hmm. and really give it to him. Like, God, Mm -hmm. you've seen this, this, that. He's seen the whole thing because he wrote the story. Right. So he just wants you to connect with God. I know the story wasn't just for me to go through. It was for me to experience for my destiny. So once God knows, oh, he's connecting, he's connecting to his destiny. Keep giving it to me, son. Keep giving it to me, son. God can take you to the next chapter. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because now you start realizing there's value in those last chapters. You know what I mean? There's a purpose in those last chapters. God, I'm noticing my purpose. And he says, okay, he's connecting to the to the real why. And now I can take him to the next level because he's got it on. He's got this, this, this level conquered already. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? And so it was just about me giving my giving my um, my stress and 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 just my gifts back to him and not to people. And once God approved all those things and God said, you know, I affirm you, you know, I created you in my image. You know what I mean? Only approval I needed was from Christ. And then that started to lighten the load of the expectation of others of being what everybody else wanted me to be. I started just seeking seeking comfort in the Holy Spirit. And what what when that happens, when you start saying no to people and yes to God, you lose a lot of people. Facts. You know what I mean? You lose a lot of support. You know what I mean? When you start putting a value on who you are, people walk away. You know what I mean? But what the enemy will want you to think, oh, see, they're walking away. See, you, you're not really worth nothing. But God is like, no, you were worth my son dying. And that's more than anything these people could ever give you. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? And that was confirmation enough that if it was just me and God alone, that was enough. Was Is the journey lonely still today? Yes. Is the destiny hard to, to get to? Is the... Uh, the the enemy's still there, all the hurdles still there. Absolutely. But I've learned in those first few chapters that those hurdles, those problems, those things that are coming that are coming are building my character and, and is of telling God, it's 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 showing myself approved. Like it's it's all those things that I'm going through. God is saying, keep jumping those hurdles, keep giving those cares up to me, keep um, um casting those spirits out, keep doing those different things because I know you're becoming who I called you to be for your destiny. You know what I mean? So that's what, that's what I've learned to do in the process of um, mm. accepting, 
you know, where I was at in my mental health. It was how many things have I not given to God? How many things am I actively and um, and being content in and knowing that I'm depressed, knowing that I'm stressed out, knowing that I'm a yes man to everybody, knowing that I'm Johnny on the spot and I'm not doing anything about it. You know what I mean? That's that shows right there whether I'm actually dealing with my mental health or just, you know, you know, ignoring it. And so I realized that it was my responsibility whether I was going to get healthy in my mind or not. Mm. It was my responsibility. It was nobody else's. So I had to start um, giving it to God. Really, it's simple and to the point. (laughs) Yeah, no, 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 no. It's simple. It's simple. And and I hope to answer your question because I feel like I went on a whole tangent. But um, no, 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 no. It was all relevant though, and it makes me think. It's like if you don't deal with your mental health, it's going to deal with you at some point. Yeah. And something that you shared about the worth, it's like once you realize your worth, it was almost as if the people who were in your life um, at that time. who may have not wanted to see you do well or wanted to, mm-hmm. you know, certain things that happen, right? Where it's like you started mm-hmm. to see you and they try to, to remind you that you're worthless. Right. And right. You had to go against that and go against the grain and, and really understand, like, no, I'm I'm made, I'm I'm a, you know, a child from the most high. Like this is who right. I am. Like I'm yeah. called and created for this thing. Yeah, because people that right there. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, people want the gift, they don't want your call. You know I mean? your call, Facts. your call is going to call them up and that's work they're just not willing to do. So mm-hmm. as long like they'll keep you around as long as your anointing is not showing them who they are. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? If you are um, when I was lost and just out here utilizing these gifts and let me let's understand is your gifts is not like, you know, your gifts come without repentance. So I have gifts just because God gave me gifts. You know, everybody has gifts. Pop stars have gifts and things like that. So it's not, no, you know, I'm not all special and everything like that. But um, when people start, re- you know, are like, you know, he's real talented and they start using da 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 It wasn't until I started realizing that my gifts are not just gifts. They're, they're my calling. They're my, they're, there's an anointing there and things like that. Mm-hmm. I start walking in that thing. So that, that means now when I step into these atmospheres with different people or whatever, I, uh, they're in reverence of that. Like, oh, this is not just Ty dancing. This is not just Ty creating another painting or whatever. This is a, mm-hmm. there's a power that he's connected to now. There is a realization that he's, that, you know, he has, you know, a revelation that he's walking in now or whatever. And they feel it. And then what happens is they start seeing themselves and then they run away and walk away because of that. Because now there's a conviction when I walk in a room, not because I'm great, not because I'm holier than thou, not because I think I'm higher than the next person, but simply because I said yes to the Holy Spirit and I'm walking in that calling now. And so that light that is in me shows up. And so when there's darkness or manipulation or whatever other spirit that's in somebody else or whatever, that light reveals it. And that, they run from that thing. See, the enemy wants you to think when they're running away, they're running away from you. They're running away from that hurt little boy that you were, that hurt little girl. But they're actually walking away from the anointing that's on your life because it's too much for them to handle. And see, mm. you know what I mean? It's when you connect with that perspective that your power is untouchable, that you're unmovable. Wow. You know what I mean? That's that's when when you really connect to that. That's when people want to go. So my thing is, if you can't handle my call. See ya. <laughs> you gotta, <laughs> walk away. See ya. I'm 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 good with that. I'm good with that now. And I know that it's not about me when somebody else walks away. It's about them. You know what I mean? And the people who are called to your call, they're gonna be right there. And guess what? They're enough. They're enough. 
Mm. The people who are called to your call are enough. But the people who that's just want to give you and that's what you got to decipher the wheat from the tears. You got to know who who's there for the for the gift and who's there for your call. Don't give your energy to people who just there for your gift because, you know, they don't got no root in you. They're not invested in who you are and in your destiny. They're just there for the moment. They're there for them. You got to be there. You got to give your all to the people who are there for your call and understand it and appreciate it and respect it. That's who you 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 invest in. And that's who you help sharpen. And that's they'll sharpen you. And it's the, those are the ordained people that are supposed to come in your life. And that's what I had to decipher. And that helped me with my mental health, my mental health. Mm. I no longer felt like a victim anymore because somebody yeah. walked away because no, somebody didn't accept me. I was no longer a victim. I was a victor. I'm a victor now. You know what I mean? Because I've accepted the power that God has given me through my story and through my trauma and through my testimony. I've accepted that now. So now who I am is more clear to me than ever. And when you're connected to who you who you are, your power is untouchable. Right. Right. I got to get this message to um, some teenagers and just young adolescents, because a lot of things that you shared, man, it would save them from so much trauma and turmoil not saying that they wouldn't go through difficulties and challenges but the message that you shared mm-hmm. and how to decipher between the two is extremely important and unfortunate for us well i'm not gonna say unfortunate yeah because it's it's, it's it's molded us into who we are today right but for us we had to go through those different valleys and those different challenges that could have you know stopped us that could have took us out we could have definitely turned around and went a different way. We've seen so many different people do it. Mm. Um, but for you to remain resilient, man, I think that that's a story and a testimony that I would love to to find a way to get it to so many teenagers yeah. and just, you know, just younger kids. It's, it's extremely powerful. And um, mm. just stepping into that full power of who they are, who God created them to be. Yeah, it's powerful, man. It's powerful. And, if, uh, you know, for the adults that's listening to y'all, look. Take that word. Like, if you need to rewind this part back, mm. rewind it back. Like, listen to it again, but really get what he was saying in that because that's extremely powerful. Right. Um, it, it's um, one last point, bro. I'm sorry. I don't want to hold No, 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 no. It's one last point in that, that I think I talked to you about. And um, I believe uh, as far as like rush, rushing your process and your deliverance or rushing your process and who God. Yeah. How when God is trying to change your name to the from the victim to the victor, like you're mm-hmm. not, you don't have to rush that process for anybody. And I felt like because people were praising my gifts, I was expected to be where my gifts looked like I was at in in in, in my spiritual walk with Christ. So mm-hmm. if I'm dancing before God, if I'm singing before God or whatever, I got to be filled with the Holy Spirit 24/7. I feel right. like I to be, right. you know, you know, amen, I had to be junior deacon, I had to be, you know All what I mean? You just you feel so pressured to act like you've been delivered from everything that took years <laughs> to, for you to go through, you know what I mean? And overnight, you just feel the pressure to be okay. You know what I mean? You feel the pressure to not acknowledge your mental health. You feel pressure to act like everything's just fine, to act like God and already took you, took you over the mountain and, and, and all that good stuff. And so I got lost in that. I got lost. My identity and who I truly was um, was lost because I felt I started to put on this facade that I was, was somewhere spiritually where I was not at. You know, inside, you're dying inside. Right. And I'm dying inside. 
Mm -hmm. I'm singing every Sunday. And it's because no one. Here's the thing. When people are only concerned about your gifts, they don't ask you if you're okay. Because right. When they're only concerned about your gifts, they don't ask you if you're okay. Because as long as you're dancing, as long as you're painting, as long as you were um, writing another play, as long as you're singing every Sunday or whatever, mm. you appear to be okay. And that's good enough for me because all I want from you is your gift. Mm. But when I love you, when I'm invested in you, when I've observed you and engaged in you and I, and I was actively listening to you, I start to see things like, mm, let me talk to him. Are you Okay. You fine? You seem a little off today. What's going on? Where are you at, really? And thank God that I've had people in my life in the church and outside mm. of the church that stopped and said, Ty, all this dancing you're doing, that's nice. All this singing you're doing, that's great. You look amazing on stage. But what's going on? Are you okay? Did you deal with what happened to you? Hmm. What you know what I mean? Like, are you are you happy? Yeah, yeah, when, yeah, yeah. So I had people to ask me that, and I felt like, oh my God, they really care. You know what I mean? They care about. See, they're not concerned. And, and Pastor Ragland just said this to me too. You know, all that dancing and and, and and the arts that I was doing, that's the prop. People were, you know, as long as people was praising the prop, the person up there on the stage and things like that. You know what I mean? It's all good, but. Who are you? The per how is the person? How are you going to show mm -hmm. up? Are you going to show up as the prop or the person? And for so many years, I was showing up as the prop because the prop was being praised. The person was still dying inside. Mm. So it wasn't until the ordained people that came in my life and said, "No, let me find out about the person." That's cute what you're doing, but let me find out the uh, find out about the per person. And that's when I started dealing with the fact that yo, I'm not where everybody thinks I'm at in my walk. Somebody finally asked me if I was okay. Somebody finally said, did you deal with the hurt and the trauma of having an addicted parent? Did you, did you really, you know, uh, all of the, the verbal abuse you may have gone through, all of the um, bullying that you've experienced in school growing up because you were an artistic kid. Did you, did you deal with that yet? And I felt like, oh my God, this person really loves me. Let me deal with that. And I realized, yo, the prop <laughs> that everybody was praising He's he's miles and miles ahead of who this 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 little boy mm. was at, where this little boy in me was at. This little boy, I was barely off the finish the start line. <laughs> you know what I mean? I was I was barely off. <laughs> you know what I mean? I was I, but a mile away from birth. <laughs> you know the, the hurt kid still hadn't stopped crying yet. Mm. That's real. But the, but the prop was up there smiling all day long. And so what happens is, is that people, um, because they're praising you and they only look for your gift, they they kind of force this process of deliverance. You know what I mean? You feel like I have to act like I'm right here because that's what everybody thinks I'm at. That's where everybody will only accept me at. If I start talking about my mental health now, they'll think I'm cra I'm crazy. They'll think that, you know, oh, I'm just don't want to sing this Sunday. They'll think that I'm my faith ain't strong enough. They'll think yeah. that I want to leave the church if I say I don't want to dance this Sunday. They'll think that I'm backslidden if I tell them that I need some self-care. If I tell them that I'm still struggling with rejection or whatever the case might be, my identity, whatever it may be, you know what I mean? They'll think that I'm not where God um, 
should have had me at right now. They'll, they'll think that like, you know what I mean? I'm off my rocker. So it was just like, I, you just keep quiet because you don't want to disappoint anyone. You know what mm. I mean? But I start thinking, look, look, when I fell in love with Christ, you know what I mean? My own, the only thing is I didn't want to disappoint him any longer. So I had to accept that. No, I need to go back to where that, tra- um, that traumatized little boy is at. And I need to start from there and be real with myself. Take off all the mask. You know what I mean? Crush mm-hmm. this prop that I was and start all over again and really start building myself up with the Holy Spirit one brick at a time and start my journey. If I had to, if you got to go back this one, if you have to go back to rebuild yourself, it's okay. And you're not crazy. That's a do, do it for you and not for everybody else. Don't be a prop. Find the person that you are. Make sure that person is healed and, and build from there. Mm. I wonder how many of us are living as props. Mm. And we haven't addressed the things and the issues from the past. And people think, mm. especially in this world of social media, people think that you're so much further than where you are. Right. And I know for me, and I, I can, I can, I feel comfortable saying for you as well. You express your flaws. Now you're not airing out dirty laundry and things yeah. like that, but you express your struggles in yeah. a very real and true way where you're transparent. And I think a lot of people mm. can relate to that. And I believe that the pendulum is starting to swing a little bit to where people are being more attracted to what's real and what's authentic. Yeah. We're more attracted to who you are than who you're pretending to be. Yeah. Um, so I'm hoping that we continue that trend and just continue to move in that way. Um, so what I want to do is this um, as we're starting to close out. Got to definitely respect your time. I don't want your woman yeah. in there <laughs> cursing me out later. Y'all in there talking about me later. Right. No, no, you know I can talk, bro. So you better cut me nah, off. No, no, no. I really want to get into um this book of yours, man. This book project. Um, I've been blessed to, you know, just witness the process of it. Um, I got a view of the cover, was able to to join you on that process and just really to dive into your mind and everything that you're pouring into this. Yeah. Now, um, this book is powerful, first and foremost, extremely powerful. Um, it's out now. And I want all of my supporters, everybody that's on here that's listening to this, I want you to go get this book um, because it's extremely powerful. But I want you to share a little bit more about it. And the book is titled, I Am a Man. Yes. I Am a Man. (laughs) I I want you to go a little deeper into that on, one, what made you title the book, I Am a Man, and share the story behind it. I know the story. But for those listening, those viewing, I want you to really share this story and your heart behind creating this piece during this time in history. Absolutely. Um, This book, first of all, thank you for that, bro. And um, this book is my second anthology, um, is a book of poetry. And um, probably be my last before I start working on my novel. And um, this is, came, was birthed in the season of the pandemic. It was birthed in the season of racial tension in America. when George Floyd was gunned down and many, many other black men. And for people who know their history, their black history, you know, I am a man is, is, is familiar to you. This was a slogan that was used in the 1960s for um, a, for the sanitation workers protest that was happening um, right after two black men were working in horrible and inhumane working conditions. And they were, um, it was raining really bad one evening and they took shelter in the back of their garbage truck when the truck malfunctioned and crushed both of the men. 
mm. um, alive. They were paid very low wages. And so they had to, you know, um, whether, you know, suffer those conditions in order to put food on the table. So yeah. it wasn't like they could just take a day off when it's bad weather. They had no other choice. They were literally being paid pennies. And so these men took shelter and they were crushed. And um, this led to a protest. And this is when also would lead to what would lead to Dr. Martin Luther King's assassination, uh, because he would even uh, march with them on on a very historic march. And you can look all this up um, and fact check me. <laughs> but um these men passed away and it sparked um, a protest. And in that protest, men were marching with signs saying, I am a man because they felt because black men felt and still feel today that they are not seen as men and as human. These yeah, men, yeah. men were meant to work, uh, was left to work in really inhumane conditions and paid very, very low, very, very low wages. And Dr. Martin Luther King um, um joined them in their in their fight for better wages and different things like that. And so even in my younger years, I remember seeing this in the history books and things like that, just that slogan in the black and white pictures of men holding signs, I am a man. And I'm thinking, and it didn't connect with me. It didn't connect with me. I'm thinking, what duh? Like <laughs> we know you are man. We get it. You know I mean? But as I experienced life and as I've become a man, what would it mean to me? If someone seen me as less than, as someone seen me as just a body, you know what I mean, and just and 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 not worth a decent wage and not worth um, life and 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 equal rights and different things like that. And again, as I grew up and to become the man that I am now, I realize that for some people, I am still less than. I am still not accepted as a man. I am still not worth equal rights as a human being on this earth. And so that I am a man is really significant and really resonates with me to this day um, for the men that were murdered in the back of that truck, for the men that have been murdered by police officers since then um, by the um, systematic racism that we're we're experiencing still today that's still relevant from the 1960s from before the 1960s and up until today it is still relevant and so i wanted to put that on the front cover as i am a man just to even spark the young people to say duh so what does this mean right, and right. people book and read it and so what i felt um what i felt was necessary was for this book is a, a book of poetry and it expresses the the validity of black men living and why just us breathing you know what i mean is worth being able to do just us existing in this world is 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 our right we're allowed to breathe here we're allowed to exist we're allowed to achieve we're allowed to fail we're allowed to be normal we're allowed to be ex extraordinary we're allowed to be whatever god called us to be because he gave us life and is the only one who's allowed to take it from us and so that's why um i titled the book i am a man and this poetry kind of takes us through um and and gives flowers to the black man living 
you know, from the father to the construction worker, to the teacher, to the ancestor, to the grandfather, to the uncle, to the musician, to the man who has no family, to the man who is on the pulpit, to the man who's just sitting in the audience, you know what I mean? To the man who loves art, to the man who loves a good basketball game. It also exposes vulnerability. Vulnerability is the thread throughout this entire book. And anyone who wants to learn black men, wants to have a little insight. I can't say I'm not the guru of all black men, but this book is gives a good insight for all, all the women out there. This gives good insight to, to our vulnerability and why it's hard for us to sometimes communicate. Why it's, um, it talks about different t- uh, topics as well, like um, white gaze. And it talks about um, colorism in our community. And there's poetry on um, are the black rage that black men have and why it's unfair for us to have to hide that when we are so obviously targeted each and every day. So there's layers to this poetry. If anyone had my last book, um, Kiss It Up to God, this is a more artistic expression than that. This one, you know what I mean, is for the adults. This also talks about, it's not everything's not so heavy. It talks about love and, and, and life and, you know, being romantic and, you know what I mean? Just being able to be a black man and just experience life the way you want it, you know, the way you want to. It's, it's, mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's political, it's romantic, it's vulnerable, it's who we are, it's human. Mm-hmm. It's human. And I feel like I would like our white um, counterparts as well to l- pick this book up and, and learn and understand that when you see us, you don't have to be afraid of us, but you also don't have to expect us to not, you know, reveal that we are angry. Mm. Pretty much what he said is uh, try Jesus. Don't try me. Is <laughs> what, what I heard is what I heard. So make sure y'all get your order in, man. Um, I am a man. It's available now for order. Mm-hmm. At artbytylewis.com. Tell him I sent you. Look, y'all, support this brother right here. He's doing incredible, incredible things. And this book right here, look, man, if you if you one of them people that's that's too saved to hear a few different words, this might not right. be the one for you. But right. um, if you're not going in, in the want, book, if you if you want to dibble and dabble a little bit, you know um, what I mean? Nah, you, you really want to get this piece and support this brother, man. We really have to continue to support our own. And he's doing incredible work. He put his, you know, time, blood, sweat, tears into this, um, prayed over this thing. And God really spoke to him and spoke through him in this body of work. Um, So it's extremely Mm -hmm. important. I definitely got my copy, um, getting a few more to pass off to some brothers and some young men uh, within the community. Because, again, I think it's extremely important, everything that he's sharing. Um, So, Ty, do me a favor, man. I want you to share where can people get in contact with you if people want to follow you, if they want to shoot mm-hmm. you, maybe an email. Um, how can they get your art? Let people Absolutely. know. Okay, so you can follow me on a few different um, social media platforms, one being Instagram at art by underscore Ty Lewis. Also, you can visit my website to check out the latest goings on with myself um, as an actor, a playwright, an activist, all those good things right at artbytylewis.com. Um, you can keep the uh, conversation going on my Art by Ty Lewis uh, support group on Facebook. Um, you can also follow me on t- at Ty Lewis on Facebook as well. And let's let's keep this conversation going. We all community That's of cool. creatives and culture and life. Let's keep this conversation going. We need it. Yeah, absolutely, man. I appreciate that. And before I let you go, so what's new in season two of the Change Will Be Normalized podcast and season one 
at the end of every every episode, I would share a quote, you know, that was based around the episode mm-hmm. more so or based on something that really inspired me. So for season two, now that I have guests, I asked every guest to bring a quote with them that impacted their life, something that changed their life. And you shared your quote earlier, but we're going to bring it back up here. Mm-hmm. And the quote right here is from Nina Simone. It says, an artist's duty, as far as I'm concerned, is to reflect the times. What does that mean to you, Ty? Absolutely. It means to show exactly what is happening in our world, in our society, in our neighborhoods, in our backyards, and at our dinner tables right now. Not just for controversy's sake, but for change and for understanding mm-hmm. and for acceptance and for uh, results and for uh, resolve, you know what I mean? And for evolution, you know what I mean? And so that's what my goal each and every day from sister Nina Simone is to reflect the times. So it's art by Ty Lewis reflecting the times. Mm, that's fire right there. Way to send us out. And last thing, man, last thing, I know I'm, I'm throwing a lot on you, brother. Um, but <laughs> season two, I had to beef it up, man. I right, gave right, right. I got season you. one and I was like, I got to go above and beyond for my audience, for my supporters, man, because they truly, are like ride or die, um, and they really support this movement of what we're doing here with Change Will Be Normalized. So as you know, the title is Change Will Be Normalized. And for me, that speaks to every aspect of life, right? Mm-hmm. When I when, when God blessed me with that quote, when it really downloaded into me, I was at a you know Stop the Violence walk um, out in Atlantic City. And I believe a young girl, young teenage girl had just got killed. But prior to that, there were like back-to-back killings of teenagers. Mm-hmm. And I remember doing the walk, they asked me, could I speak? And I said, yeah, of course I can speak. I believe you were there actually. Yeah. And that just kind of came out of me. Yeah. And it was just like, we need to change what we normalize because we've normalized this behavior. We've mm-hmm. normalized gathering on these occasions, but yeah. not doing nothing. Mm-hmm. Right. And I yeah. got extremely frustrated and God put that on my heart. And from there, the vision was just casted into everything in life. So it can go from, you know, a movement like that to to your weight loss, to your relationship, to finances, to your mental health, like change will be normalized. We didn't have the conversation amongst black men right. about mental health when I was growing up. I want to change that. So mm-hmm. change will be normalized means changing everything that isn't serving us to yes. me. Right. And turning it into something that serves us and allows us to grow. So um, what does change what we normalize mean to you? Wow. Uh- First of all, <laughs> just that <laughs> tagline alone, change what we normalize. That's that's amazing. That gets you thinking, that gets you, you know, to have a conversation that you never had before. And what change what we normalize means to me is to address and unmask the dysfunction. Mm. Address and unmask the dysfunction. We cannot move forward if we are not acknowledging the dysfunction that is happening in our in our families and our relationships with one another um, and things that are swept under the carpet. We have to start addressing these topics and make sure we get to a place where we are functionally functioning in a healthy manner from a healthy uh, foundation. And no one can say that they're functioning on a healthy foundation if you all working and living and have your being in dysfunction. Yeah. We have to change that. We have to make sure that we are masking the dysfunction. Wow. 
Well, that's it, folks. Man, Ty, <laughs> you really came through and blessed us, bro. Yeah. Um, thank you so much, man, for your time. Thank you, um, bro. I appreciate tell, it. Tell man. Sherry I said thank you. Right, right. right. Because, yeah. I said thank you. I appreciate that. Um, <laughs> nah, man, you, you already know how we do, man. You know, I love you, bro. And just everything you're doing is incredible. Um, Likewise, man. It's, it's incredible, man. And I guess before we close, and I don't do this with every guest, but what's what's next for Ty Lewis? What is next? Um, <laughs> marriage. <laughs> Let's go. Marriage, bro. <laughs> for the both of us. So I am right, going to right. enjoy, my, enjoy my wife and, um, you know, going into the next chapter with all this wisdom, all this knowledge and going into a partnership that's only going to keep taking us from glory to glory to level to level. So I'm truly blessed. Mm. And you will be too, bro. You you right yeah, there. Yeah, man. We back to back, bro. We get yeah. married. Woo-woo. So that's next. And I'm I'm excited <laughs> about what comes after marriage. I mean, that's the plateau right there. So yeah, like, you're, no, you're no, you can only go I, up from there, bro. Yeah, <laughs> you already know where I'm, my head's at. Right. I'm ready to roll, brother. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But nah, I'm excited, man. Thank you, Ty, for everything that you're doing. Everybody that tuned in, I love y'all. I appreciate y'all. And I will see you on the next episode of Change What We Normalize. Peace.